Buffs Nation. All right, what's going on? Welcome into the Buffs Nation podcast on a Thanksgiving week, just before Colorado's final game of the season. I can't believe it's here. Senior day, Buffs hosting Utah this uh, Saturday, and it's Thanksgiving week, so we'll try and incorporate everything on today's show. Uh, I'm Tyler. He's Jared. Jared, how are you? I am uh, going to look past the shortcomings of CU this uh, this season. I'm going to be very thankful for being a CU Buffs fan right yeah, now. Yeah, I guess that's good enough. Corny, but there you go. Uh, producer Ryan out this week. Uh, he should be back next week. And look, it's CU's fault. He works for the university, so they're making him stay late. So uh, he's out this week. But we've got some stuff to go over. Obviously, CU at Washington last week. Colorado versus Utah this week. I mean, we knew this was going to happen. The end of Colorado's schedule was so brutal. Uh, let's see. They had... It started with uh, Oregon, and then USC, then Washington, and then Utah. So, I mean, this is just going to be a merciful ending, but uh, at least they get it at home. At least we're at home in Boulder against Utah. So, uh, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. It is Thanksgiving week, and while we might, might not have that much to be thankful for this year, uh, we can do some Thanksgiving-themed stuff. So, I thought what we could do is player comps for Thanksgiving foods. Okay. So, like, who's the turkey? Who's the stuffing? Who's the cranberries? All right, all right. All right, so my turkey of the year, and this is a bad thing. You know how like ESPN does the turkey of the year? It's never good. It's Carl Durrell because he started everything so bad. He's been the turkey the last two and a half years. So, uh, well, I guess, look, he had a good first like start to his career in Colorado, so it's not like he was bad then. But the turkey of the year, Carl Durrell, he screwed everything up, left us in a horrible spot. Uh, and then how's this? My gravy of the year because the gravy can often mask What's what it is? If True, you have, very if you have good dry point. turkey, if you have some bad stuffing, you can put gravy on anything and it'll make it better. That's Mike Sanford because I know he only won one game, but since he came in, this team has had a different vibe. They've been saying different things. Matter of fact, I know it's it's a long shot, but a couple of players have come out and said, "Hey, we love Sanford yeah, to be the next being coach." Vocal. So I mean. I know he's only won one game, by the way. He has also led Colorado to their highest offensive total of the year, their best defensive game of the year, and he's had by far, by far the tougher road. In terms I was going to say, I'd be curious to look back at the you know the the rankings of the teams that were were played when Carl Durrell was the coach versus when, when Mike Sanford is the coach. Well, I mean, I, I've got it right here because they keep that. They, there were no ranked teams. Exactly. UCLA was not ranked when we played them. Uh, Minnesota, Air Force, TCU was not ranked when the Buffs played them. Wow. So in terms of when they played, uh, Mike Sanford now taking his now getting his fourth team in a row that's ranked, and Carl Laurel didn't have any. So that matters, and so that's my gravy. Is uh, I is, think that's a good I think it's a good gravy. Although for the turkey, I mean maybe Rick George. I don't know, Does but Rick, see Rick George. But here's maybe? what happens: if Rick George makes like a great hire, then we're all going to go back on Rick George. Oh, oh so never great. mind. It's so, awesome. so we can't do that. Yeah, I want to put point. us in a in a spot to to see, say that, Tyler. This is it. why you're good at this. You're, you're <laughs> always thinking forward of when someone's going to pull some audio on us years down the road. <laughs> all right. Um, I have my canned cranberries. And my fresh cranberries. Okay, and the difference is, I love cranberries either way. The fresh is obviously delicious. Yeah. The canned, now I'll admit this, I kind of like the canned cranberries, oh, but, in, know, but in general, it's not going to be a I good mean, thing just for on appearance alone, I have a hard time with the canned cranberries. They just like, they jiggle. I and know. It's like, it might as well be jello. It's so weird. I know. So the fresh cranberries has to go to Alex Fontenot. And the reason is, he lived up to what we thought he could be. He's one of the few players this year 
When he gets on the field, he does what we expect him to do. He's such a good player. He's so electric when he gets the football. He's tough. He's quick. And he's everything we expected it to be. So he's the fresh cranberries. See, I'm going to go with it. Uh, I'm going to throw a different one in there. And I know he's injured. He's missing the rest of the year. But Jordan Tyson, you know, this That's is good. a this guy. He's fresh. He's young. You know, <laughs> he's new. I, I think he brought a, a fresh a fresh feel to the uh, to the I meal like here. The fresh cranberries and Alex Fondo on the fresh theme. He was fresh this year, coming off the this injury. This is true. So. This is true. All right, now my canned and the canned cranberries. You define it this way. In theory. It seems like it may be a good idea, but when it comes to execution and you get that cranberry out of the can and it's got the same form and mold as the can does, it may have been good at first, but it turned out to be a bad idea. And I hate to admit this because it was one of my guys going into the season, but JT Shroud's going to be my canned cranberries. Uh, I was up on JT. I thought it was ridiculous. He didn't get the start to, to begin the year ahead of Brendan Trout. And it's turned out to be the case that maybe there's not that many great quarterbacks in this roster. Now, Owen McCown only got 100 pass attempts, 57 completion percentage, two touchdowns, two picks. Don't really know what McCown can be. Young, hurt, save him for next year. But in terms of the quarterbacks, really had a chance. I was a little disappointed to see Trout this year. So it's my canned cramp. Yeah, he's that, he's that part of the meal that you know has to be there. But nobody really wants it once it's once it's served, All right? right? <laughs> All right. Uh, the stuffing, stuffing is hearty. The stuffing is is thick. It's your go. It's a lot of the go tos. You can put it on a lot of stuff, and it's just it's just kind of like the meat of that of that meal, right? Now, well, it's actually technically not the meat. Obviously, like your turkey's the meat. But, for but, a vegetarian but Thanksgiving, for, for lack this of is a the better meat. word. <laughs> yeah, for lack of a better word. And so, you know, the, it's just kind of like like your hearty, thick, you know, piece of the plate. I'm going uh, Josh Chandler Tomato, right? Led the team in tackles, so good defensively. In terms of sack yards, okay, you accumulate the yards for sacks. As a team, Colorado had 61 sack yards this year. Some, uh, Chandler Tomato had almost 30 himself. So it was kind of interesting. Last year after... Uh, we lost linebacker uh, Nate Landman. Nate Landman, thank you. We were wondering, is someone going to step up? Is it going to be one of the safeties? And Chandler Semedo certainly did that. So stuffing for the team, Josh Chandler Semedo. Can we talk about something, though? No. Why is stuffing no. only served on Thanksgiving Day? This is a this is a side dish you know, that should a, be involved in all year round. No, I disagree. I'm not a big stuffing guy. Wow. I don't really like stuffing that much. I'll actually avoid stuffing if my plate's too full. And I have too much on there. I'll just uh, pass on the stuffing. So, Interesting. Yeah, I know. It's See, a, I think that's a hot stuffing's take. probably a top three for me. You know, well ahead of turkey. <laughs> uh, by the way, turkey, <laughs> turkey is way down on the list. Everyone loves turkey, uh, unless you really put extravagant effort into the turkey. That's true. Yeah. Turkey's just okay. Yeah, you know, turkey is easy to mess up. Make it dry. Make a little this, a little that. So there you go. That's our buffs. Good uh, thing we have the Mike Sanford to add on there <laughs> to make it all better. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's get it. Let's stay on that topic. Mike Sanford, interim head coach, the gravy of this uh, program this year. But obviously, whoever replaces him or replaces Carl Durrell, I should say, is going to be the next headline of Colorado football. And we've talked about a couple head coaches whose names have been in the mix, but I think that we should focus on a couple right now that it seems to be boiling down to, and they're all big names. Bronco Mendenhall, Tom Herman, Matt Rule, and Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders lingering out there. Can I say something on this Deion Sanders thing? Yes, I, I saw 247 Sports put out there very publicly that that the 
that Deion Sanders was considering offers from. Yeah. It was CU and it was, I believe, UCF or USF, South Florida, USF, yeah, South yeah. Florida. And I, I'm going to say there are two things that are happening here, both simultaneously. Both of these entities, Deion Sanders as well as Colorado, are using this information. They're putting this out there to benefit themselves. Okay, this is not actually going to happen. Deion, Deion Sanders wants... SEC schools, he wants Big Ten schools, he wants Big Ten schools to realize that Power 5 teams are interested in him. That, hey, if you don't come calling Auburn, you don't come calling, I'm going to see you. I'm going out west. I'm going to leave the SEC behind. CU is is using this as a way to make other big-name people like a Bronco Mendenhall, like a Tom Herman, go, wow. Wow, Deion Sanders is interested? Oh, well, I better take this job seriously. I think both sides are using this to get a better offer. I don't think either are actually that interested. Don't, I, I'm going to put my hands yeah. up here and say, if this actually happens, you will not find a happier person. I think this would be the best, yeah, be best awesome. case scenario. I just think this is being put out there strategically. I don't think it's well, actually reality. What you're saying makes a lot of sense, and I could understand why that could be happening. That's probably what is happening, but that sucks because I see this. I read it. I get excited. I immediately start, going, start daydreaming and going, Oh my God! If if Deion Sanders was here and we got the recruits and everyone was talking about Boulder, I mean, but let's hey, let's talk about the optimistic side of that. There is a certain sense where this move does make sense for Deion Sanders. He can he's proven he can recruit in the South. He is with a what is this an F, FCS school that he's at right now? I don't even know. I, I don't even know where they rank, but he is recruiting top notch kids there he goes out west and recruits top-notch kids now all of a sudden any school in the country comes calling Deion sanders named he proves he can recruit anywhere he can build a program anywhere and i think as far as a stepping stone opportunity for Deion sanders Colorado does make a lot of sense for him there. Well, and, and the other exciting thing is you see old players like Chidobi Awuzier, David Bakhtiari, yeah, Bakhtiari and they're, they're all chiming out. in yeah. on Twitter. So that's what makes it real, or at least to me. It's like that's where, you know, when you get people started to talk about it, the players, the media, and there was a quote here in this article, uh, quote, the Buffaloes might not fit Sanders' recruiting footprint, but as a Pac-12 school, they can offer the best chance for Sanders to pay his assistants well and build out the staff infrastructure he believes he needs. Two items he doesn't come close to with Jackson State. With the resources Colorado can offer, Sanders has mapped out a plan to recruit nationally to Boulder. So I hope you're wrong. I just crushed everything, didn't you I? Did. I know. Did. I'm I sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I've been stewing on this. I saw a lot of that coming through the weekend in, in we're we're recording here Tuesday the twenty second. There's been a lot of stuff out there and that's typically what tells me that somebody's putting it out there for a reason. All right. Other coaches, Bronco Mendenhall, Tom Herman, Matt Rule. If you had your pick of those three. Uh, I would probably say Tom Herman, even though that's I'd probably not the, 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 the popular pick. Uh, yeah, I mean, Matt Rule has really proven in college football right. that he can turn programs around. So I would not be upset about that. But I don't know. I, I am currently just having that sour taste in my mouth of Matt Rule and, and how much the team, the players, did not like him with his stint with the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, but so what? That's NFL. Hey, look, Nick Saban was run out of the Miami Dolphins. So I think it's it's pretty clear to say that there's a difference between college football and, and getting your players behind you in that realm versus in the NFL. 
All right. Well, uh, stay tuned. Next couple of weeks, uh, as news comes out about this, we'll talk about it. And I mean, I'm not sure. Like, we're gonna have a show next week to give our season awards away and wrap the season up. But after that, it's probably gonna be on a uh, as needed basis based on news. So stay tuned for all that. All right, let's get to last week. Uh, Washington hosting the Buffs. CU did not look good on the road. They lose 54 to seven at Washington, and it was opposite of USC, right? Colorado had the lead against USC on the road, 3-2 after one quarter. It was a very different game here. Uh, they were down 14 nothing heading into halftime, went into halftime down 33-0, to so not a good showing for the Buffs at all. Uh, JT Shrouts, <laughs> 5 of 18, 120 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Alex Fondo did have 11 carries for 71 yards. Leading receiver for the Buffs, Montana Lamonius Craig, one catch, 59 yards, one touchdown. So not a good showing for the Buffs, similar to what we thought would happen. I thought it may be closer. I picked a closer game, gave a closer score, but Jared, after being outgained 575 to 202, not a whole lot left to uh, lean back on. Yeah, this was the first time since Mike Sanford took over that it looked to me watching this game like this was a team that had checked out. Uh, it, it seemed for the first time in, hey, let let let's just let's call it what it is. I mean, there's not a whole lot left to play for for the Buffs. So right. it is very understandable. While frustrating and disappointing, it's understandable for a group of 18 to 22 year old kids to finally hit that point where you go, man, it's tough. You're playing top 10 team after top 10 team. You finally hit this one against Washington, and it, it just it they just didn't have it in them to come out and give that 100% effort. It just it felt like they were ready for this season to be over. I mean, and let's hope they can turn it around for next week because it's their final game of the year. Buffs hosting Utah. Uh, Utah 8-3 on the year, number 10 team in the country right now. And... Let's talk about the Utah Utes. Quarterback Cam Rising, <clears throat> Cam Rising, excuse me, has been their leader for a couple years now. 19 touchdowns, seven picks on the year. He's a very, very good quarterback. Colorado has to be aware of him, not just through the air, but on the ground. He's Utah's second leading rusher with 59 carries and just shy of 400 yards. So, look, Utah does a lot well offensively, but it all starts with Cam Rising. If the Buffs let him out of this, out of their sight, it's going to be a long day for this uh, Buffalo's defense. On the ground, this is where Utah wants to do their damage. They have almost twice as many rush attempts as they do pass attempts this year. 439 rushes for 2,250 yards. That's effective. 5.1 rush, uh, rushing yards per attempt and 29 rush touchdowns. My goodness. I don't know how many rushing touchdowns or uh, total touchdowns CU has all year. I don't think it's 29. I'm going to take the under on yeah, that exactly. one. <laughs> Utah's got 29 on the ground. Through the air, uh, 227 receptions, yet they don't have any player with more than 61 catches, but their leading receiver is tight end Dalton Kincaid. So the middle of this Buffs defense, stopping the run, stopping Dalton Kincaid, going to be crucial for this game. Of the 22 passing touchdowns, Kincaid has seven. No other player has more than five, so they certainly spread things out through the air and on the ground. Uh, Jared, uh, we've said this a couple times this year, that when you break down this CU team and who they're going to be playing, it's just not worth saying, how's this Buffs offense going to match up? How's this Buffs O-line going to match up with the Utah's D-line? How are these receivers going to match up with the secondary? So we can just go general keys to the game. And obviously, as I said, stopping Cam Rising in this pass attack is going to be important. But Cam Rising in general, on the ground, through the air, what he can do, I think key number one of this game, stop the quarterback. Yeah, be aggressive, right? I mean, last game of the year, don't hold anything back, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Adam Sandler, yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
it, it, it's true. I mean, uh, you know, Rising is is is. I mean, he's a star. I mean, he really is. He's he's sort of uh, unheralded, not really necessarily talked about on a national level. But he is what makes this offense tick. And so, if you can shut him down, you can be aggressive, get in his face, disrupt him. That's really your only hope to get. To, to keep this offense from exploding on the bus. And I just want to put out there for like a very general, we're, we're talking about kind of general keys. You know, we talked a lot about through the course of the season motivation. This is a Utah team that I question their motivation right now. What do they have to play for? What does a win in this game get them? They don't have a chance at the Pac-12 championship. They don't have a chance at the college football playoff. What does a win here get them or do for them? So this may be a Utah team kind of looking past this and just going, well, you know, look, looking to their bowl season. I mean, to the look, end I of the see season. what you're saying in terms of where they are this year. I just don't see a Kyle Whittingham team doing sure, that. I feel you're like right. They're he's, be he's a very, very disciplined coach. Plus, they are 8-3. and three. They are out of it in the Pac-12, but their three losses this year. They lost that week one game. Remember, first week of the season at Florida. That does not look good now. They lost that by three. And then they lost at UCLA, middle of the season, 42-32. And then they lost last week, uh, maybe it had been two weeks ago, whatever, their last game, at Oregon, 2017. I mean, we're talking a three-point loss, 10-point loss, three-point loss. Like This team could be 10-1. and one. It's yeah, a absolutely. really, really yeah. good football team. They were number eight in the country to start the season. So this is a very good, very talented team. And if they have any reason to show up, it could be a long day for the Buffs. I mean, it just could be, which would suck because their last day in Boulder, you know, I'm going to be up there obviously at the game and it should be a nice day, but you hope the Buffs can at least show up and stay in this thing. So anyway, back to the keys of the game. Number one was stop the quarterback cam rising. Number two is turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. If you're going to win this game, you got to turn Utah over and you have to hold on to it yourself. It's not going to be enough to just zero turnovers, zero turnovers, beat Utah at their own game, go up and down the field. You're going to need something if you're the Buffs. And I know that Mike Sanford and this team want to end on a good note, a positive note. And I think it all comes down to turnovers. Yeah, I think that's a huge part. I mean, anytime when you're fighting an uphill battle against a a much, you know, better opponent let's just be honest put it what it is that's that's how you win you know i think it, it comes down to turnovers the key that i'll add on to there is is you got to finish drives a lot of drives that have stalled for the bus and ending in fourth down attempts that don't convert uh ending in you know field goals and punts i mean you have to finish drives you have to score touchdowns pretty much every time you're getting the ball you have got to put points on the board yeah, and that's going to be important this th- this game. Capitalize when you get the opportunity and hopefully uh, cause some of the turnovers. Last and not least for sure, but it's going to be win the rushing game because if CU is going to win this game, they have to eat clock. They got to keep it out of Utah's hands. They got to keep their offense on the field and keep Utah's defense on the field. Only problem with that is rushing yards per game, Colorado averaging 112 a game, Utah over 200 per game. So they can run the football. That's going to be one of the keys. If you could flip-flop those two numbers and CU comes out of this game with 200 rushing yards and they hold Utah around 100 that's huge. yards, that that's, could be a lot that this could game. be the difference yes. in at least making it a competitive game. Where That's how Utah's offense opens up. If they aren't opening things up with the run – 
that that limits a lot of what they're doing. If you can keep them in second and third and long, where it's obvious passing downs, that that absolutely changes the dynamic of what this offense can do for Utah. All right, a couple of stats here by the numbers: total yards per game, Colorado two ninety. Utah 450. Total passing yards per game, Colorado 177. Utah 244. We just talked about rushing yards per game, Colorado 112. Utah 205. Yards allowed per game, CU 495. Utah 329. Yards allowed in the air per game, CU 263. Utah 213. And yards on the ground per game, Colorado allowing 232. Utah allowing 115. How many points is each to, is uh, each team scoring per game? Colorado just over two touchdowns a game, 14.9. Utah 37 and a half points per game. Colorado giving up 42 and a half points a game. Utah exactly 20. So certainly the numbers favor Utah. ESPN giving Utah a 98.1% chance to win. And the current line, Utah minus 29 and a half in Boulder. So those are the numbers for you. Jerry, before we get out of here, let's give a score or a score prediction. I'm going to be optimistic to end the year, okay? I'm going to go 2017 Utah. I think the Buffs stay in this one. Probably don't have enough to to win, but I'm hoping my final game of the season that I get to go to, senior day, they stay in this thing, make it a close game. What do you say? I like it a lot closer than the 29.5-point spread. Like I said, I do question the motivation for Utah in this game. Not not to say they're going to go out and lose this game, but they may not come out with the dominance. If they had a chance to go make that Pac-12 championship, they would beat the crap out of the buffs, I think, in this game, right? Now, this is a team that just needs to get a win to get themselves to a better position for, for bowl season and all that. So I do think Utah wins. I'm going to take them 28-17 over the buffs. All right, good stuff. Thanks for joining us today on the Buffs Nation podcast. Next week, we'll wrap the season up, give our season-long awards. Producer Ryan should be back, whether it's in studio or remote. Hope to have the big guy back to uh, talk some Buffs football. And, I mean, let's just leave it right there. Let's go, Buffs. Have a big game. Senior day. Let's get an upset win. Shock the nation. We'll talk to you next week right here on the Buffs Nation podcast.